This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, January 15th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village builds a roadmap for climate action. Airport expansion rolls closer to takeoff. Capital Conversation talks politics in Denver and a mountain weather forecast. It's no question the climate is changing. But what steps can local government take to combat the shifts in our environment? The answer to that question is, according to J.D. Wise, at the heart of Mountain Village's Climate Action Plan. Basically, it lays out climate actions to help us reduce our greenhouse gas emissions in Mountain Village um, with a goal of reducing those emissions by 85 percent by the year 2050. Wise is Mountain Village's Economic Development and Sustainability Director. And those buckets are uh, fall into the categories of, of transportation, building energy, Uh, renewable energy and waste. This week, Mountain Village will be hosting a public work session to help articulate the roadmap for implementing those goals. This roadmap can really be thought of as an implementation guide, um, and we've engaged um, some outside and professional help uh, in Cascadia Consulting, um, who will really help us, along with the town and along with public input, um, really help to identify Um, what our priority actions are, and help us to make sure that we're setting um, aggressive but meetable interim goals on 5, 10, and 15-year milestones um, to ensure that we're taking the steps now, again, to meet those those long-term goals of, of carbon reduction in 2050. The workshop will allow members of the community to learn more about the action plan itself, share their input, and understand the community's role in implementation. You know, I I really feel like we are aligned as a community that we want to do the right thing and we want to take action uh, and that, frankly, we need to take action. And so, you know, what I love about processes like this is it gives us an opportunity to really come together as a community, bounce ideas off each other, understand what barriers and hurdles might be there, and then really continue to work together as we move forward um, on implementing these actions, which we know is a, is a massive team effort, um, you know, both within our community and the region. The Mountain Village Climate Action Roadmap Public Workshop will take place on Wednesday, January 17th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at Mountain Village Town Hall or on Zoom. Zoom login information is available at townofmountainvillage.com. The San Miguel County Planning Commission is charged with making land use and development decisions with the interest of the area's public as its number one priority. At a recent meeting, commissioners discussed possible expansions of the Telluride Airport and were conflicted about whether the proposed changes would benefit county residents. In the end, they approved the plan, but KOTO's Gavin McGough has more. In December, the airport came to the Planning Commission with a request to update its master plan. They wanted changes which would have allowed it to consider building a hotel and conference center, a new terminal building, add additional parking, add multiple hangars on the south side of the runway, and more. Over a period of decades, initially, commissioners balked at the extent of the possible future build-out and asked the airport to come back in January with some of the more controversial items, like the hotel, taken out. Well... Just like that, it's January already, and the Planning Commission met last week to discuss an updated master plan proposal from the airport. 
County Senior Planner John Hubner presented the plans, and he says that first on the airport's wish list is a large aircraft hangar with offices and snow storage equipment. It adds 14,500 net square feet to the total building plan at this location. They're also planning on changing the location of the passenger terminal and the general aviation terminals. Following the new hangar and new terminal, the airport would consider increasing access to Last Dollar Road for more vehicle traffic, add a water pump house, add a garage for snow removal equipment, and then on the south side of the runway, where there are currently no buildings, the airport also includes the potential for more hangars and airplane storage. All in all, the build-out would increase airport facilities by 21,200 square feet. The new hangar is the topmost priority. As airport manager Kenneth Mampa says area residents are constantly approaching him, hoping for a spot to park a private jet. That's usually one of the initial conversations that I get. In fact, I just had one last week. Hey, just bought a place here. We're real excited about owning a, a property here and really would like to have a hangar. It's kind of like if you have a nice car, you want a garage for your car. Well, that's how people are extreme, maybe, <laughs> with airplanes. They don't like having them, their airplanes exposed to the elements. So ideally, they want to also own a hangar. The wait list for a parking spot out of the elements is some 24 planes long. While planning commissioners recognize the airport has adjusted its plan significantly since December, concerns remain. What about the energy needs of all this new building, commissioners ask, and the county's efforts to radically reduce its greenhouse gas emissions? Mampa points to the past. The airport has embraced many of the initiatives of the county, and, and we are the first airport in Colorado to feature uh, blended sustainable aviation fuels You know, to try to uh, lower our carbon footprint. Um, and we have also our highest use building, which is current, the current terminal building. Um, we have uh, 20% of our energy is from the uh, adjacent uh, solar garden. Then there's the issue of employee housing. The airport cannot put permanent housing anywhere on its facility, as that would violate regulations from the Federal Aviation Administration. But Mampa says we currently have 11 employees that live either in Montrose or Norwood. And so the ideal is um, our, our ideal is, is that we incorporate some of those let's call it temporary housing or we call them bunk rooms, kind of like firehouses where you have bunk rooms and you have a place for employees to stay for their three or four day work week. And so, you know, we can be creative and we're always open to that. Such temporary housing or bunk housing is allowed on airport property and is quite common at major airports. Despite these good faith efforts, Commissioner Jocelyn Lifton-Zolene is conflicted. In the end, she makes a motion to recommend the county deny the airport its master plan amendments and its future build-out. I was kind of hoping that I would be more convinced that there was a real public need for this upgrade, and I find myself unconvinced. I don't hear you really offering housing solutions. I don't hear any firm commitments to renewable energy, although you like the idea, which is a good start. Um, and I hear you, with all due respect, really downplaying what I see as the consequences of us making a decision like this that really services a certain very high-end 
clientele. While other commissioners appreciated Lifton-Zolene's objections, she was ultimately outvoted, and the Planning Commission gave the airport master plan update their seal of approval and sent it up the chain of command. The final vote was five in favor, two opposed. The update will appear before the county commissioners in the coming weeks to be considered for a final time. Colorado's General Assembly kicked off last week. In this installment of Capital Conversation, KOTO State House reporter Lucas Brady Woods shares how the first few days went. Lucas, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Thanks for having me. The General Assembly went back into session last Wednesday. How have the first couple days in uh, the legislative session been going so far? They've been busy. Um, last week, as you said, lawmakers got there on Wednesday and started things off with uh, speeches, uh, standard speeches about the session. Um, and then Thursday, the state of the state address from the governor was was delivered to a joint session of the legislature. And, um, you know, throughout the process, the, the last three days, they've um, been introducing bills. So, you know, we have sort of the lawmakers have sort of set their priorities. The governor set his priorities and uh, expressed those to the legislature. And uh, bills have been introduced uh, as of Friday. I think we had uh, over 130 bills already introduced. Oh, my gosh, that is um, impressive. (laughs) We're just diving right in. Have there been any bills that have, you know, stood out as ones to watch or things that you think are going to be important for this legislative session? Absolutely. Housing is definitely top of mind for both lawmakers and the governor. Um, And uh, we we talked about this a little bit last week, but, you know, the, the Republicans and the Democrats have very different ideas of how to go about that. So that will be interesting. And I think we're also going to see uh, some bills around transportation, whether that's transportation, public transportation is in, you know, uh, in, in our cities, in our towns and efforts to improve uh, transportation oriented housing. We'll definitely see that. But we're also going to see some stuff, um, you know, as the governor mentioned, on the front range rail line and possibly this will be um, particularly a little bit more interesting for those in your community and Telluride, um, a mountain rail that they would like that Polis wants to um, also look into as well. Uh, they're also excited about uh, education and education funding. Um, and, and there's really been a lot of bills introduced on a lot of different things from, you know, wildfire funding to disability access at airports and, and, in, and in politics. Um, all the way to, you know, stuff about behavioral health care in schools and for agriculture workers. Wow. So there's a you're keeping track of a lot of things for sure. Um, taking a cue from um, the NPR Politics podcast, is there anything special that has stuck out for you in the past couple of days, politics or otherwise? Politics or otherwise, of course. Well, I, I do think it's important to mention there's been a pretty constant presence of demonstrators at the uh, state house, last uh, there were last week, and this is centered around the, the the conflict in Gaza. And these are generally pro-Palestinian protesters, and they were cha- they they were demonstrating during the governor's state of the state address, and you could hear them 
outside during the speech, and, and they also uh, briefly disrupted proceedings, opening proceedings on Wednesday uh, when, when the session first opened. Well, Lucas, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes to chat with me um, just a few days after the legislative session has started. And obviously, we'll, we'll keep checking in as things continue to ramp up more in the coming days and weeks. Excellent. Thanks for having me. And we're going to be diving into a lot of specific bills and seeing um, what, what, what they're all about. So thanks for having me. That was KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reporting from Denver. Memorial Day 2023 might be a distant memory in the deep pit of winter, but let Mountain Film take you back to the days of early summer at a Mountain Film for Locals screening on Wednesday, January 17th. The event features six short films pulled from the 2023 festival lineup. The selection includes School of Fish, a profile of indigenous salmon fishermen in Bristol Bay, Alaska, and the Ghost Rainforest, which follows activists based in the Amazon as they travel to the last remnant of a temperate rainforest on the coast of Scotland, witnessing a nearly extinct ecosystem in an emotionally charged journey. The screening begins at 5.30 p.m. on the 17th at the Wilkinson Public Library program room and is open to all. Five buildings, some homes and some condominium properties, are greening up and getting new windows and doors in the new year. Add to that a revamped and expanded compost program at the Butcher and Baker and a boiler replacement at the Telluride Mountain Lodge and you've got 2024's Green Grantees. The Green Grants are an annual collaboration of the town of Telluride and EcoAction Partners and fund projects to reduce greenhouse gas emissions through ideas sourced from the community. In its five years running, the Green Grants program has released over $300,000 in funding to 35 unique projects here in the Box Canyon. Telluride's assistant town manager, Zoe Donnell, says she's excited that many of this year's projects focus on window replacements and building retrofits. She says residents can make, quote, relatively easy structural changes to quickly impact emissions. This year was a particularly competitive grant cycle with 12 projects requesting almost $300,000 in total funding. From those, Telluride selected seven projects and will disperse roughly $90,000. Last month, the Montezuma Board of County Commissioners voted to cut 10 positions from the sheriff's office. In response, employees have petitioned the state of Colorado to begin the process of collective bargaining in the new year. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KSJD's Chris Clements reports. Alan Phelps is a detective at the Montezuma County Sheriff's Office and the president of Mesa Verde Lodge 74, Fraternal Order of Police. Without proper staffing levels, Phelps says the office is unable to adequately deal with the number of homicides, sexual assaults, and property crimes that occur in the county. Generally, we have two officers on patrol at any given time. Um, response times go up. Um, it affects the community safety overall. We can we can no longer do community policing. Phelps says 70 of the 72 employees at the office signed petitions in favor of collective bargaining, which will now initiate a ballot election. If the petition is approved, negotiations will begin around wages, benefits, and work conditions for those in the sheriff's office. Although the positions that were cut were unfilled and no staff have been fired, according to Phelps, the elimination of those jobs disrupts the office's ability to respond to emergencies in a timely manner. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements. 
The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for scattered snow showers tonight ending early, followed by cloudy skies and a low near 5 degrees. Tuesday, expect sun with a high near 30 degrees, followed by a clear night with a low in the mid-teens. Wednesday calls for a return of snow showers with a high near freezing, followed by a cloudy night with a low near 20. This has been the news for Monday, January 15th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.